0: transformative practices. This is kind of like uh, the school of hard knocks kind of lessons All right. that uh, is good for a whole community to have just a process. And uh, you'll see uh, where I'm going with this uh, tonight. This is a very important uh, graphic right here. And I'll tell you what it means. Right at the top, you have your thunder, your, 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 your lightning, and at that point in time, somebody's hurting. They've had an interaction that's unpleasant, There's a conflict. Uh, it may not even be sin. It may be just a dynamic. Uh, something's not quite right. And so what do you do at that point? This is the most important point on the whole graph because if we let things get away from us, and we have more and more uh, festering dynamics. And then one of them escalates so far that we slide down to a place where we need mediation. Uh, or arbitration, which is kind of uh, the mediator saying, this is the way it's going to be. Um, and Or you have a, a, a problem, and then there's an aftermath, and then of course, you know, death. It could be spiritually or whatever. And so... Uh, and advocacy is a place to turn it all around, okay? Let me give you an example. Let's say Adrian Newsom, okay, and Nancy Priestley are planning a woman's day, okay? And uh, they've been given that commission, but they have different visions. And it's just, it's just not quite working, and, and they're frustrated, but because they're spiritual ladies right yeah. okay because they're spiritual ladies they want to protect that relationship before any damage is done so they say how about if we get Patricia and Butch to help us out yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. so you go out and have a cup of coffee and talk it through literally almost all these things can get turned around because Patricia is an advocate for Nancy but she can be an advocate for Adrian. Adrian. So you have. She's a bi-advocate. She's both ways. Cares about him. Loves him. Wants him to win. She might say, uh, "I want to help one of you reframe your position in a way that the other one can hear it." Okay. And so this is like a curbside chat. You know, it's just going on out and having a talk or whatever. And a lot of problems in the kingdom of God would literally dissipate. With having advocacy, and sometimes you can do it this way. You can have more than one party at the table to be advocates. Or you can turn it into a greater group discussion with the people that are impacted by the decision. And it can actually do something for your relationship that didn't exist beforehand. But if you skip that phase and just let it fester on up, uh, you you go into mediation and arbitration, and both those places is... It can be, it can have a good outcome, but it can be kind of not so much fun, because you're giving up control, and you're you're exposing your situation to more people, and it's just that's not really super fun. Right. Now the outcome can be great, but that process is like, oh, man, I wish we would have figured it out earlier. Does this all make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but this is pre explosion. This is pre-problem here, okay? And so if you ignore advocacy and mediation, and arbitration, you're going to have sadness, great sadness. you going to have distress. You're going to have broken relationships uh, and stuff that's happened. And really, last spring, for some people, this is what happened. And it, it impacted a larger element. But guess what? This doesn't have to be the last chapter, okay? Because what you can do is you can create a road map or through intervention that we have happiness again, okay? So now what our churches need to do is learn to have intervention before the the big bad moment or when it happens right away, not letting it go month after month after month. And so one of the things that I have an aspiration to do is to build in mechanisms into churches so that there's a a call team. So that right away we have a group of people that everybody trusts to, to help get a grip on something before a lot of damage is done. Okay, because I want to tell you something. The best of spiritual Christians will find themselves feeling emotional and not so spiritual when something goes on a long time. And, and that's anybody, you know. And so, anyway, what we want to do is, is get to the happy place again, and that's where we're, that's where we're uh, calling on God to help us get there. Okay, now, this is a typical scenario of a conflict in a body, a community. There's a bunch of people, but at some point something happened, and there's a thesis, and that's the original problem, okay? And maybe for here, that would be some of the mistakes uh, or errors, or whatever, you call it sin, or whatever you want, that happened in the, the uh, leadership culture of the L.A. church as it pertained to the west side. The first offenses were over here. Okay, does that make sense? And typically, unless people are massively spiritual and really, really close to God, okay, there will be an antithesis. Okay, there's a reaction. It's, there's emotions involved. Okay? And forget about position, because the positions are separate from the emotions sometimes. And the and so a group will start to form. And then the people that are hurting the most, first of all, is affecting everybody here. But the people right here and right here are usually the most affected. And this is just paradigmal. This is just what happens in communities. Okay? And so What we want to do is make sure that we're dialing a situation down through process. Process is one of the best things as an antidote. Third party impartial process where there's no skin in the game is one of the best antidotes to calm things down. Because you know what? We actually care less about getting our way than we care about there's fairness and some sense of uh, neutrality. And neutrality is probably not the right word. But, uh, impartiality. Just, you know, that objectivity. So, and that's because we're Christians. We're willing to give up something, usually, if we believe that God is the reason we're giving it up and that God is involved. So, so anyway, that's the kind of dynamic. So, what we're doing tonight is going through ten things that you are capable of doing to help your community out, to help your experience out, and to help me and Trisha in our work. So, here's the practices. Seeking differentiation, honoring process, respecting everyone, regulating yourselves, practicing the golden rule, play by the rules, different use of the word rule, um, filter unwise influences, avoid surface judgments, model what you want, and pursue calibration. And so we're going to go through these, okay, seek differentiation. Uh, what did I preach about on Sunday <laughs> Goo okay, but I also used a story with uh, Moses and Aaron to uh, illustrate a point where Aaron was before he transformed a lot of uh Conflict consultants will look at Moses and Aaron as contrast. Moses was differentiated, Aaron was not. Out of Exodus 32, it says in verse 1 that they gathered around Aaron, the people did. Okay, that's scary. Mob effect, you know, group think. They gathered around him. Come make us gods, okay? This is not good. The fact that they even thought that they could get that far says something about Aaron. They wouldn't do that to Moses. Right. Moses would be, Stop right there. Why are you guys gathering around me? Back up, back up. Okay. And uh, then Aaron says, Take off your gold earrings. And verse 4 says, He took what they handed and made it to an idol. I mean, what was he, This happened real fast. Okay. He was not differentiated. He was in the crowd. A differentiated person is willing to think differently. Then their spouse, their roommates, their boss, employers, fellow employees. Now there's a there's a right way to do it, you know. But you 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 have your own brain. You were born in your own year, in your own house, in your own skin, had a different set of parents. We're gonna think differently. And if we find ourselves always thinking alike with people around us, it might be a sign we're not very differentiated. And we're, we're too much of a follower personality. And that's scarier in a conflict because this is something the anthropologists have figured out in the last 60 years. When a crisis is going on, the loudest voice in a crisis can sometimes be the, either the angriest, the guiltiest, the unhealthiest. And then people, because we're cowardly by nature, we like to rally around a confident person. And that's how many awful things have happened in human history. Now That doesn't mean that every time somebody's confident about something, they're the, the guiltiest or whatever, because we need confident people that will be outspoken at the times that it needs to happen. But human nature is the, the tricky part, is we tend to like to be in a group, like to be approved, tend to be cowardly, unless we mustered ourselves, and find ourselves in group groupthink. And if you don't think this exists, you just just talk to somebody who went to school for advertising. I mean, they play on it in commercials. They get us to buy things that we have no use for. That's right. And uh, they, they know how to get us to want to have what somebody else has. There are certain things that are going on inside of us that being differentiated helps us overcome. Secondly, honoring process. There's a lot of passages. Uh, some of them are on your cheat sheet for last week, from last week, um, but a lot of passages, uh, Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 19, Deuteronomy 1, actually, quite a bit in numbers. And then uh, in Matthew 18, Acts 6, and Acts 15 are passages that model uh, scenarios where process is very easy to imitate those passages. As um, a matter of fact, in any book, You'll read on decision-making in a church or resulting conflict in a church. They go to these two passages, X 6 and X 15. There's so much to glean from them. I've seen a lot of, uh, lot of difficulties navigated because of such passages. Process is your friend. One of the things that process does is it exposes entitlements. There are sometimes people that think they're above process. There are leaders that think that they're above process. They were just born with the right answer. They know what needs to be done, you know? And, uh, you know, and and they can get a lot done that way. That's autocratic leadership style. Sometimes it is so efficient, by the way, it is very efficient. Sometimes it serves us until it doesn't. (laughs) And so then you go, we should have had process. And there's all kinds of different processes. And each community gets to kind of uh, cultivate a process that makes sense under their dynamics. And processes can change over time. But process is king. I've seen people on the other end of the spectrum think that uh, they've got a voice from God and and they don't need process. Process makes us feel safe. There's a study uh, that was done. I've only heard the results. I don't know where the where the information is, but I'm going to find out because I find it fascinating that we will be four or five times more likely to accept an outcome that we don't like if we thought that the process was fair and impartial. So it, has, it just has this very comforting effect on us. Next, respect. Respect. Show proper respect to everyone, Peter says. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. Everyone. Should we show respect to somebody who's behaving badly? Right. Should we show respect to people that are challenging our beliefs in Christianity? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who should we not show respect to? Once we don't show respect, we slip and slide. Because then we can excuse ourselves to do all sorts of things. I think that we should just have a default. We just show respect. Here's the way we show respect. If somebody's behaving badly we can say something's going on here that I'm not comfortable with, but I want to hear what's going on. Let's sit down and tell me from beginning what's really bothering you. And then what you've done is you've not said, you're angry, you're prideful. We've not put tags and labels on them. We've not shut them down. Now, does you know if we actually do resolve the issue, we do need to come back to what they did, how they came across. They need to know because we don't want them to do that to somebody else. Especially if they're a Christian, we don't want them to hurt the Christian message by their intemperance. Right. And, and but we want to show respect. People should always be shown respect. One of the ways we show respect, I believe, is you never have a meeting that somebody is coming to without them knowing what's being discussed at the meeting. No surprises. And even if it's going to be an uncomfortable meeting, the, one of the best ways to make that meeting more likely to be have a good outcome is we set them up with the knowledge of the topics that are going to be there and ask them who else they might like to be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Respect is powerful. Yeah. We... Um, uh, number of the mediations I've done over the last two years, I started asking a question that came from my training. The training says you're going to find common denominators in the church world as to what's at the deep roots below the surface. They call below the line in a church conflict. And, And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I thought through all the conflicts that I had been navigating and then looked at the ones I was going to be doing after I heard that. And virtually every one of them, especially with men, The ultimate driving issue was they didn't feel respected. There was something undignified that happened to them. And so I tell you, if we show respect and we give honor where honor is due and we treat people well, we're on our way. Fourth, regulate yourself. There's a lot of great passages in the Bible about regulating yourself. Uh, Ecclesiastes seven nine. Do not be quickly provoked, and your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. You know, really, just have a grip on your emotions. Um, I, I did a, a search on self or on uh, self control. It is all over the New Testament, and it's in the Book of Proverbs as well. In Proverbs twenty five, <laughs> verse twenty eight. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Paul, when he was talking to, uh, I think, Felix in Acts 24, he was discoursing about a number of things of, like righteousness. He was sharing his faith. And one of the things he talked about was righteousness and self-control. And at that moment, Felix says, I'm done talking now. <laughs> it's just, it's, these things are really, really important. Now, the reason I say that, and we're going to talk about this more in January, we're going to talk about the, neurolog- the, the, uh, the brainstem and uh, neurology and how, our, how we are wired so that we can understand how, how important it is to be regulated. But I'll just give you a few things that you may already know, you've heard about. I know you've, some of you have been through uh, crucial conversations. But one of the things we find out is if people are really worked up in a conflict, like highly escalated, agitated, uh, not listening anymore, And in a perfectly calm environment, it takes about four minutes for that person to be able to receive and process and respond properly because of physiological things that are happening to them. We're talking about good people. We're talking about righteous people. It's just the way we are. And so if we allow ourselves to get up, we need the time to come down. But the goal is to keep ourselves even. And some people are, find it easier than others. Sometimes, you know, triggers, wounds, something that happened in our childhood, child of, uh, family of origin issues. Uh, if something happened earlier in the day, your boss mistreated you, and then you come home, and you have an interaction with somebody in your household, those things can play, on, play against each other. But it's very important to regulate your emotions. And what happens when we don't regulate our emotions, and two or three, four or five people get together, and they have them in regulating their emotions oh, this is bad news. Man, we're talking about mind meld. We're talking about fusion. We're talking about unbreakable covenants and alignments. And people will just make bad decisions when that happens. Okay. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, practice the golden rule. What is the silver rule? What is that? Right, Mark? Don't do something you don't want somebody to do to you. I want to tell you something. At least 10 people made that statement before the time of Christ, which is typically called the, gold, the silver rule. And it is a good rule, but Jesus raised the bar. Because in the golden rule, it also includes the silver rule. But it's do to other people. Do it. Be proactive. Be preemptive. Plan. Scheme. Think about the good you're going to do to somebody that you wish would be done to you. I mean, that's, that's like hugely different. That is bridge building. That is hoping for the future. And so that's one of the things that we want to do is just make sure we're We're looking forward and thinking, how can I do for somebody something I want them to be done, you know, would want to be done for me? Now, imagine in a church that's been through some difficulty. You know what it is? Practicing on purpose, talking good about somebody that you're in conflict with. I'm going to tell you a true story. We... uh, And I've mentioned this, this episode before, but Trish and I were trying to help two parties in a conflict. We got involved in the conflict, turned on us. Ended up being about a year and a half fiasco. But all three of us couples worked side by side, doing weddings together, doing funerals, being on stage at the same time, running services, doing all sorts of stuff. Went on for a long time. Finally, it got resolved the right way, after being not handled the right way, we went before the congregation and told them the whole story out of transparency. For a year and a half, not a single member in the congregation even knew about it. And it was one of the worst things that happened to all the parties. It involved some very sensitive family trauma with one of the couples. That's where it started. Things that would never be made public. And, and nobody knew. And because of the ethnic components that were at play, it would not have gone out well if somebody knew. It would have been harmful for people. One of the hardest things we ever did is just to not tell people that might get worked up. So what we did is we kept appealing for process, process, get outsiders, get people to come in, get people to come in. And they did and it works wonderfully because that's what happens when you do what the Bible says. But the the golden rule is we did well by the people that we were in conflict with. Okay, number six. Play by the rules. Rules, R-O-L-E-S. You know, um, our rules, R-O-L-E-S, are how we have a healthy body. You know, if we have a great shepherd who's an elder and a great evangelist who's an evangelist a great teacher who's a teacher great deacons who are deacons and they're functioning well within all their roles and we have great worship leaders and great kingdom kids leaders and and when we're functioning well that way that's how we thrive we don't just survive we usually thrive We're, we're doing the things we're good at and we're not doing the things we're not good at but every once in a while people get in the wrong role. Okay, and then when they get in the wrong role, sometimes that's a a, a biblical office role. Okay, so imagine, let's say uh, an evangelist really has not got the gift of being an evangelist. And maybe they did it one time, but they're getting old. Okay, and their real gift is to be an elder or shepherd. And then there's some young people that are spiritual and mature but are much better evangelists that are stifled and there's a ceiling there because people are not on the right role. What will happen because of human nature? Sometimes people will be tempted to step outside of their role. And that's where problems occur. The answer to the predicament I just described is what I just get third-party involvement, calibration, uh, agency, uh, consultants, other figures in the church, feedback, uh, transparency, and you know all that kind of stuff. You, but when we take it upon ourselves to leave our role and to say, I think I am, and then whatever that empty line is, that's where we get into trouble. And so that's the whole thing, stay within our role. So when a consultant comes into a ministry, he wants everybody to be in the place that God has called them but here's a piece of wisdom that I wanted to throw your way, specifically speaking to somebody in authority. When we're frustrated with an authority figure, we should differentiate the difference between their role, which is a safeguard by God, and the quality of their functioning of that role. That's a separate question altogether. And thirdly, remembering that they are a child of God. And when we glob them all together, we do damage. <clears throat> now, I want to talk about the role that's from God. One day, uh, Paul goes into Jerusalem, and he's having a debate. He's having an argument with, a, uh, with Caiaphas. Now, if you know anything about the high priest clan, th- that position rotates around. So, some years, Caiaphas is the high priest, some years, he's not. Now, he always retains the title, but some years, he has z- zero authority. And so he hap- Paul happens to be talking disrespectfully to Caiaphas the year that he is the high priest. So when Paul realizes he gets corrected, don't you know he's the high priest? Paul backs down and does a pseudo apology and changes the subject. Okay. And so, but he, these are people that are not spiritual. But Paul still respects the position because order is still important. 1 Peter 2 and Romans 13 talks about the governing authorities out there. It seems to me my thoughts is mostly talking about government, you know. But the idea there, and if you look at who the, some of those governing authorities were at the time Peter and Paul wrote that stuff, you go, really, them? Them? Don't you know how weird some of these emperors were? How sick? and Yes, them too. There is order. Order is important. But, there's a big but here. While we should respect the order, the system at play, and believe it is from God because he's uh, the source of it, it says right there in Romans, if somebody's not functioning well at that role, we've got to be able to talk about it. And in a church family, we are all Christians first, right? right. Yeah. Okay? I did not come out of the baptismal womb with any titles. I was just a new creation. Okay? And that's all we ever get to be. That's the highest we ever get, is to be new creations. And if we really, really want to be a leader, we have to stoop down and be a servant. Okay? So that's really who we are. We, we buy into celebrity stuff sometimes. And we, ooh, and awe people. Okay? And although the Bible talks about respecting and honoring people, Hebrews 13, those who have gone, who've led the way by their example, imitate their way of faith, look at the outcome to see how it's worked out before you do that, you know? Okay? But when they have and honor those who work hard among you, but that's different than like feigning and swooning, and, and, and that's part of human nature. And it every once in a while seeps into the church. What we've got to be able to do from time to time is say, how well are we doing in the roles that we are in? And sometimes God will have us move, right, move around on the ship in our roles. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, is a really good uh, passage for this. Romans chapter 12. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And it gives a list of these gifts that are important to the body. And so it is telling us we don't all have all the same functions. So be mindful that you're in the place you are according to your function. And if there is something you're good at, do it. Do a lot of it. Okay? And so that's one of the things we have to make sure we do. And so thirdly, if a leader if a leader's not functioning well, we've got to have ways to be able to talk to him about it. And that's got to be okay and we should do it respectfully. But thirdly, we have to remember that leaders are people too. And sometimes leaders have been under extraordinary circumstances that we don't know, like anybody can be. But there are certain burdens that are unique to people that carry loads and shepherd and look out for flocks. And we should be mindful of the possibility we don't know some stuff. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. Amen. Okay, next. Last, or seven, I think. A filter unwise influences. Um, so I've got two kind of heavy points and then two kind of positive points. Filter people that use to solve problems in the kingdom of God, people that have used blogs, anonymous emails, sending out emails to a lot of people, even personal correspondence between two people, and then they blind copy it to a lot of people. Uh, gosh, I'm not that good with social media, so I don't know all the possibilities of messing up here. (laughs) There's There's a lot. Uh, remember when you read something, Proverbs 18, 17, in a lawsuit, the first to come forward seems right until someone else comes along. And Proverbs 21, 16, whoever leads, who strays from the path of prudence comes to rest in the company of dead. Proverbs 22, 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with those kind of people. You know what? There are some people that I know that I love a lot, but when they get in a certain place, I go, hey, brother, simmer down. Okay? And here's what you need to do. Let me help you out here. Let me help you out here. And uh, it's just be mindful. And if people want to influence you when they're angry and they're all worked up and they have one side of the story, say, you know what? I, I will be interested in what you're saying as long as I can get the other side too. okay? And so, but that's, there's a lot of scriptures at play here. I would rather err on the side of caution and filter. So, you know, I don't even think I need to know that if I can't get the other side. Because right. it'll mess me up. Okay, how many times have we found out that the other side of the story completely cleared up something? Okay, and so just think about that. Number eight, avoid snap judgments. Okay, these two stories here are very significant, at least to me. When I first started uh, my program in 2010, Shirley Sherrod, uh, at a summer day, was accused by the conservatives. She was like minister over agriculture, some position like that. From a... Tape 20 years earlier where she had some experiences with white people growing up that weren't so great. She had some reservations in the aid of helping white folks or something like that. And the, some Tea Party conservatives, okay, I'm sorry, but that was the truth, uh, <laughs> took this, put it on out there, and Barack Obama and the whole media swarmed against her. And uh, she resigned. Shortly after she was resigned, white farmers came to her defense and saying she was the one that got them the aid and to keep their farms. And they said they didn't believe it, and they didn't even care what she said. Then it was found out it was 20 years earlier. And it was not even a prejudicial statement. She was just talking, you know, intimately among friends or among people just being honest and transparent. We all have things we can be honest and transparent about that we wouldn't necessarily want to be on the radio, okay? And she was completely vindicated and offered her job back. Now, she didn't take the job back, but she was offered the job back. Exactly one year later, plus or minus a day, uh, Robert Gates was coming home from a long trip, really, really, really tired, Uh, Didn't have his key, couldn't get into his house. A neighbor across the street called the police, said there's somebody breaking in. The police came. He said that the police were racist because he was black. That's why they didn't believe him. And then the word got into the media that the 9-11 tape said that, hey, there's a black man trying to get into the house. The media jumped in. Obama jumped in, sided with Robert Gates. Within two weeks... The 9-11 tapes came out. They, they weren't making reference to race. They just saw somebody trying to get into a house late at night. A neighbor just called the police. Okay? In both cases, the media and the President of the United States, one year apart, got it wrong. Okay? This is what we do, humans. Okay? This is what we do. I do it. It's a second... I don't verify, you know. Just don't check another source and then let my emotions to get involved. I, I'm just like everybody else. I'm the, I'm the crowd. And so Ecclesiastes 7, 8, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Okay, wait for things to roll out. And there's a bunch of other verses, you see them right there. And so in a healthy body, we won't allow ourselves to go, oh, hey, did you hear this? And it should not mean anything. Does this all make sense? Does anybody have any questions? Okay. We must be the change we wish to see in the world. Model what you want. Jeremiah chapter 35 has a fantastic story. Israel is a mess. It's gone. Judah's in really bad shape. It's in such bad shape that a guy by the name of Jonadab... It's a head of clan of Rechabites, and they kind of break off. But they don't break off and start another religion. They just kind of mind their own business. It's like a house church that says, I don't know what's going on here, but let's make sure we pray. Let's read our Bibles. Okay, we're talking about a very awful situation. What's going on in Judah is so horrendous, it's unbelievable. So what they do is they live spiritually. The whole chapter of Jeremiah 35 is telling the story, and at the end of it, It's being used to convict all of Judah. Saying, this group could do well. Why couldn't you? And so it's a very inspirational little story of a group that decided they could be spiritual. Okay, so lastly, pursue calibration. I love the word calibration because I was an engineer. Colossians one twenty eight, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature. The old NIV was dead wrong on this. What did it say? Perfect. The Greek word there it means either complete. It can be perfect, and it usually means complete or mature. So that we can be fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. If I am in a difficult situation, got a big decision, or in a uh, tension with somebody, I will ask somebody to watch over me. Somebody who's outside the situation. That goes back to advocacy. Okay? So the point of it is, is that we want somebody to help keep us even. Does that all make sense? Yeah. So that's, that's the goal. So, anyway, that is the ten principles of transformative practices. And uh, one of the things that I would like to be able to do at the beginning of this year, Scott Horton is helping me out. We are going to have four visitor-friendly services in a row uh, about Breaking Bad. Okay? (laughs) If you're feeling bad, the first step is following a personal conflict. Mea culpa or my bad. How to give, understand, give, and receive an apology. The good, bad, and the ugly. Forgiveness and reconciliation stories. And then breaking back all the parts of a great mediation. Amen. And, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is stuff to talk to people about. We're getting these fancy cards made up. I'm going to be all over Santa Monica just inviting people. Come on out to here. We're going to be transparent. We're going to be real. We are going to be giving people things that's going to be useful in their life. This stuff from the Bible will be useful 30 years from now if we're still alive. Amen. And I wish I had it 30 years ago. I needed it back then. I wasn't good at this stuff, you know? And so let us enter the new year, trusting that God will use what it is that we are striving to do. But let's not forget about the world around us that also needs the same help that we're getting. Okay?